0: Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, August 27th, 2023. The Buckeyes are now in game prep mode as we are less than a week away from the season opener at Indiana. Week zero, as they call it, is in the books. We saw two top 25 teams in action yesterday. Number six, USC demolished San Jose State 56-28. And in a game of great interest to Ohio State fans, number 13, Notre Dame crushed Navy 42-3 in Dublin, Ireland. I'm not sure if Navy's any good, but man, it sure looks to me like the Irish have a huge upgrade at quarterback in Sam Hartman. Hartman finished 19 of 23 for 251 yards and four passing touchdowns. And hey, I was also impressed with tailback Audric Estime, 95 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown for Estime. And man, the Notre Dame offensive line looked great as well. Again, maybe Navy is just terrible. I mean, that's that's probably at play here. But still, it appears the Buckeyes are in for a great battle with the Irish. On September 23rd. We'll have a lot more to say about that matchup in the coming weeks, of course. So, Paige, Chad, and I will be recording a preview of the Indiana game for your listening enjoyment this coming Thursday. But I'm with you today for the next 15 or 20 minutes with a few thoughts on what we heard out of the last few days of fall camp. There was some pretty interesting stuff. Now, I have to start, of course, with where things stand in the quarterback competition between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Now, as we know, in his press conference last Monday, Ryan Day said a winner in the competition has not yet emerged. He said both McCord and Brown graded out as champions in last Saturday's scrimmage, so that's good. And both have gotten better throughout camp, you know, also really good news. But Day said, quote, to this point right now, as honestly as I can say it, there's not one that's won the job. There's not one that's lost the job, end quote. Now, Day also said, and this is where my view of the competition started to really change, quote, our staff feels confident with both of them, which is exciting. There's two good players getting after it, making each other better, end quote. Day went on to say there's a chance that both Brown and McCord could play against Indiana. Now, that was last Monday, and we'll find out soon enough if over the last week of practices, one or the other was able to separate But at least at this at this point, it seems very likely that we're looking at a quarterback competition extending into the regular season. Now, I'm on record that a quarterback competition extending into the regular season is never ideal. I've also never been a fan of a two quarterback system, which, hey, let's face it, could also potentially be on the table here. I mean, if we look at Ohio State's history of quarterback competitions that extended into the regular season and you've got 1999 Belisari versus Mockerman. 2004 and 2005, Troy Smith versus Justin Zwick. And then the 2015 Cardale Jones-JT Barrett fiasco. They were all, all those competitions, clunky. It, It took a while before those situations were settled. And the Buckeyes lost football games in the process. Now, the 99 and 2004 teams were rebuilding, and let's face it, those teams had a lot more issues than just instability at quarterback. But in 2005, I mean, Ohio State had all the other pieces in place except quarterback, and they lost a critical game to Texas in the horseshoe that season, you know, in large part because Jim Tressel gave entirely too many snaps to Justin Zwick before finally settling on Troy Smith. Now, neither was great in that game, but Smith was the better, of the two. And I firmly believe to this day that had Smith been the starter from start to finish in that game, Ohio State wins that critical top five matchup with Texas. And, you know, look, don't even get me started on the Joe Germain, Stanley Jackson timeshare at quarterback that went on for two full seasons way back in 1996 and 97. I mean, to this day, I still don't know how the coaching staff at the time saw those two quarterbacks as equals. I mean, Stanley Jackson should have been playing at Miami of Ohio. He had no business playing quarterback at Ohio State. Go back and watch any any of the games from those two seasons. The film of Jackson, trust me, does not age well. I mean, my lasting memory of Stanley Jackson's was of the 1997 Michigan game where he threw two just devastating interceptions. He threw one in the end zone that, that you know took points off the board for the Buckeyes, and then he threw a room service pick six. Um in a, in a six-point game, those two mistakes loomed pretty large. They were the difference in the game. And uh, again, Jackson had no business playing quarterback at Ohio State. That's just my two cents. And uh, I digress, uh, as I always do. Now, having said all of that, I think this competition between Brown and McCord is in a completely different stratosphere than any of the others that we've seen at Ohio State, a completely different It's far from, you know, if you have two starting quarterbacks, you have none. Uh, Conundrum, like Austin Mockerman and Steve Belisari in 1999. That is not what we're looking at in this competition. I mean, in Brown and McCord, you have two top 50 players that would be the unquestioned day one starters at probably 100 other FBS programs. You also have the best evaluator and developer of quarterback talent that the program has ever had in Ryan Day. Who's going to be overseeing this competition and you have the best collection of skill talent in the country around the quarterback and you know those names marvin harrison jr Ameka buka trebian henderson the list goes on finally and probably more importantly we are in the transfer portal era where a kid can walk pretty much at any moment if he's not happy and find himself a better situation somewhere else so if you want to keep both quarterbacks engaged and then maintain some depth after you've eventually settled on a starter in a situation like this, I mean, extending the competition into the regular season is not only the right thing to do, it's probably the only thing to do. Uh, if Ryan Day named Kyle McCord his starter after the spring game, it's probably a pretty good bet. Devin Brown is not on this roster today, right now, in this moment. And Tristan Jebbia is the backup. And then how would Ohio State fans be spending their time for the next three months? I mean, we'd be holding our breath every time Kyle McCord hit the turf. (laughs) So, you know, I know how I sound because I know how this sounds, right? I mean, for the last six months, I've been staunchly against the idea of a quarterback competition extending into the regular season. But I've done a 180 here and I've come around to Paige's view of this whole thing. And Paige has been very comfortable all along with Brown and McCord competing into the regular season And at this point, so am I. Day also talked about the competition at offensive tackle in last Monday's press conference. And from what he said, it seems that San Diego State transfer Josh Simmons, who, by the way, does indeed want to be called Josh and not Jimmy. seems like Josh Simmons, according to what Day said last Monday, has all but locked up the starting left tackle job. And Josh Fryer is going to be the starting right tackle. The competition at center between Carson Hintzman and Vic Cutler is still ongoing, but Hintzman has been the leader in the clubhouse since the spring. That still appears to be the case. My money says it's probably still Hinsman as your starter at center. And we know that Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are entrenched as the starting left and right guards. And actually, you might be hard-pressed to find a better duo at guard in the country than those two. Now, I'm still a little nervous about Josh Simmons starting at left tackle. I mean, let's face it, (laughs) he's never played the position before. And he's coming off a rough 2022 season at at SDSU where he led the Aztecs in penalties, pressures, and sacks. I, I know I've already mentioned that several times on this pod. But the reviews on Simmons from his teammates and coaches throughout fall camp have been pretty glowing. And, you know, I've got to take those folks at their word. I mean, we, we have to, right? We've got no choice but to, to just trust that the coaches and, and his teammates are being honest with us when they say that Simmons isn't playing really well. So, you know, the offensive line, at least to me, feels relatively settled. And many of the folks on the Ohio State beat whose opinions I really respect and listen to, namely Bill Landis, seem fairly bullish on the starting unit. I know that Landis is very confident about Josh Fryer at right tackle. I mean, he thinks Fryer could potentially even garner some all-Big Ten consideration after the season. Now, we'll need to see how, the, how you know they look when the bullets start flying, especially against quality defenses like Notre Dame and Penn State. But it seems like the starting offensive line is in a pretty good place right now. And it also seems that the coaching staff likes their depth Uh, Tegra Shabola is someone they feel they can plug in at either guard and perhaps even tackle and feel pretty good about it. Shabola's got the recruiting profile. I believe he's a top 40 prospect. Um, And the coaching staff has also had glowing things to say about Chad's guy, the true freshman, Luke Montgomery. Uh, He's been very good in camp. The coaches keep mentioning Montgomery's name unprompted in interviews. So, you know, I'm feeling much better about the offensive line than I did before camp started. Now, one development I'm starting to get really excited about is, in addition to the core of veterans who are among the best at their positions in the country, and we know who I'm talking about, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca, Buka, Travion Henderson, Donovan Jackson, JT Tui, Molo Allen, and Tommy Eichenberg—there there is now an emerging group of talented underclassmen whose names we keep hearing over and over again throughout fall camp that appear to be ready to make major contributions right now. And I want to go through this list. It's a very interesting list of young players. First, let's get the obvious one out of the way. We've been talking about him all offseason. Jim Knowles confirmed last Monday that sophomore safety, Sonny Styles, is going to be one of the starters in that secondary And he's going to be all over the field. They're going to use him at cover safety, probably even at the Sam linebacker spot in certain situations. Now, all signs have been pointing to this for months, but it was good to hear it confirmed by Knowles this past Monday. But also in the mix for a starting safety job, and that's the adjuster role, the deep safety uh, spot, is true freshman Malik Hartford. Now, Hartford was a top 100 player, number 69 overall out of Westchester, Ohio. He stands at almost six foot three. They say he's a big hitter who can cover a lot of ground at free safety, or, you know, again, as the adjuster, the adjuster as Knowles calls it. Now, Hartford is giving Jihad Carter, the Syracuse transfer, a serious run for his money. Now, I think Carter will eventually lock down that spot, but what Perry Eliano appears to have now are two viable options— for that position. You got the steady hand in the veteran Carter and then the high upside freshman in Hartford. Uh, Look, there is now a wealth of talent, experience, and versatility at safety, which of course is a very important position in this defense as we know that Ohio State fans have to be really excited about. And look, I think when you have young players pushing established veterans for playing time, it's really the perfect competitive situation in in my opinion. So, There is good reason to expect big things uh, from the safety group this season. And the young, the youngster Malik Hartford might have something to say about it. Another underclassman whose name we keep hearing is sophomore defensive end Kenyatta Jackson. Jackson was himself a top 100 player, number 98 in the 2022 class out of Hollywood, Florida. He stands at six foot five, 258 pounds and Doug LaMaurice has me all fired up about Jackson. Now, if we believe Doug and many others on the Ohio State beat who have been singing his praises, you know, Larry Johnson, you know, has three starter caliber defense events. JT Tuimoloow and Jack Sawyer, of course, but Kenyatta Jackson has emerged as the third. And the word out of camp is that, you know, Jackson is the more natural pass rusher of the three. Uh, there could also be a scenario where all three are on the field at the same time. You move JT Tuimoloau out into, onto the interior, and then Sawyer and Jackson at end in, in kind of the, the new version of the Rushman package. Seems like there are all kinds of exciting possibilities there, and that's thanks in a very large part to an um, underclassman in Kiana Jackson, who's really pushing veteran players for, for playing time. Now, I mentioned him earlier, and he's, again, Chad's guy. Freshman tackle Luke Montgomery has emerged in fall camp as a player we think is probably going to make the two deep and provide much-needed, extremely valuable depth to an offensive line that had all kinds of questions before camp started. Now, Montgomery was a fringe top 100 player in the 2023 class, number 120 overall out of Findlay, Ohio. Now, he's been competing for the starting right tackle job, which, again, you know, Ryan Day all but confirmed will eventually go to Josh Fryer. And look, that's the way it should be, right? That's what Ohio State fans should be rooting for. You want the veteran guy to be the starter in this situation. You should never have to lean on a true freshman as a starting tackle. But from what we're hearing from the coaching staff, they seem pretty confident that if they do have to turn to Montgomery at any point this season, he's going to play well for them. Now, Bill Landis said that Montgomery might be the guy they turn to when they need an extra offensive lineman on the field in short yardage situations. They'll put a running back's jersey on Montgomery like they did with Josh Fryer last season. I think it was number 41 with Fryer. So, you know, look, great early returns on Montgomery. And look, If his only contribution this season is to light a fire under veterans like Josh Simmons and Josh Fryer, so Justin Fry is getting the absolute best out of those two, then that's plenty good enough. And, you know, anything we get from Montgomery beyond that would be absolute gravy. Finally, the underclassman that is probably getting the most attention during fall camp is freshman receiver carnell tate now tate was a five-star top 25 player in the 2023 class number 22 overall out of img academy in bradenton florida he's been in columbus since the spring we remember tate caught a touchdown in the spring game at six foot two 180 pounds tate has great size and man he is as smooth as they come in the deepest receiver room in, in the country i mean it's remarkable that Tate continues to stand out as a true freshman. And, you know, even more remarkable when you consider the circumstances around Tate, the tragic circumstances. He lost his mom a couple of months ago uh, in a drive-by shooting, I believe it was. Just a terrible, terrible tragedy. And the fact that Tate continues to excel in spite of those circumstances in a very competitive room, the best receiver room in America. Man, that just speaks volumes about his talent and who he is as a player. And then you even had Marvin Harrison Jr. say last week that right now, Tate is ahead of where Harrison Jr. was at this time last year. So think about that. Harrison Jr. was a unanimous All-American last season. So all signs point to a role for Tate this season. And look, if I'm Julian Fleming, I'd be preparing myself to lose some snaps to Tate. Now, Fle- Fleming's still going to have a big role in the offense. And he, he, to be fair, he was solid last season as the number three receiver with 34 receptions and 533 yards receiving and six touchdown grabs. But look, man, Fleming vanished down the, the home stretch last season. I mean, his last touchdown catch was October 22nd against Iowa. We did not hear from him after that. We're heading into year four with Fleming. And I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries during his time in Columbus, but I think it might be time to find out what other options there are for that third receiver spot. And I think it's going to be Carnell Tate. So there seems to be a quiet confidence in Columbus right now about the depth of talent on this roster. You know, thanks to the emergence of these talented underclassmen. Ohio State is deeper. They're more talented. They're more versatile. And I think they have much more playmaking, especially on defense than they did a year ago. So very, very exciting. One last thing I want to touch on before I sign off today. On his radio show last week, Ryan Day confirmed that he will continue to call plays as the season begins. He said Brian Hartline, the new offensive coordinator, will have the same role in designing the offense that Kevin Wilson did. And Day said that Hartline will eventually have the chance to call plays, but, quote, they will bring it along the right way, end quote. Now, I've been on record that Day eventually has to move into more of a CEO role so that he can have a better handle on what's happening on his sidelines on game day. There were several high leverage moments for both the defense and special teams in Ohio state's biggest games last season, where I believe day's intervention may have prevented some costly mistakes by both Jim Knowles and Parker Fleming. I'm not going to relitigate those. Um, I just don't think as a head coach at Ohio state, it's possible to have your nose buried in a play sheet on game day and also do everything required of a head coach to ensure the rest of your staff is making sound, you know, strategic and personnel choices. And Let me take you back to a critical two-play sequence in the Peach Bowl to illustrate my point here. And I know I've mentioned this before. It was the fourth quarter of that game. Ohio State's up, I believe, 38-27. So they had an 11-point lead. Georgia head coach Kirby Smart sniffs out a fake punt by Ohio State and calls a timeout just before the ball is snapped. Now, it's also worth noting that Parker Fleming's unit had 12 men on the field on the play, so the fake likely would have been called back anyway, which is another problem. But on the very next play from scrimmage, nobody on the Ohio State sideline noticed the terrible mismatch of Lathan Ransom in one-on-one coverage with Georgia's best deep threat, Arian Smith, who runs a 4-2-40 and already beaten Ohio State for a 47-yard reception earlier in the game. As we painfully remember, Ransom would slip on the play, Smith blows by him for a 76-yard touchdown reception, and suddenly Georgia is back in the game. Those are the moments where head coaches who don't have their noses buried in play sheets can sense that something isn't quite right and intervene. Now, I firmly believe that Ryan Day, the CEO, would have noticed something was wrong there and called a timeout and told Jim Knowles to get his secondary into a better coverage. But Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator, missed that opportunity. And well, you know, the rest is unfortunate Buckeye history. So look, I mean, with the quarterback situation being what it is right now, and Brian Hartline is a first-time OC, I'm not going to argue against Day taking his time transitioning the play, calling duties to Hartline. I mean, that makes sense at this stage. But I really do believe he has to, I mean, sooner rather than later, make that transition. I just don't think he can be the best version of himself as a head coach until that happens. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for that Indiana preview pod from Paige, Chad, and myself this coming Thursday. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.